0: Welcome to Martyr She Wrote. I'm Anna Clark Miller, and this is a podcast on religious trauma, so consider this your trigger warning. Let's dive into a topic that's serious as hell. Hey, everyone. My guest today is Kalila Josephs, aka Coach K. She is a speaker, an LGBTQ advocate, and a certified coach, Um, and she is going to talk with us today about religious trauma in the context of identifying with the LGBTQ community and some of the things that she has experienced personally and professionally related to that. So, Coach K, so glad to have you here with us today. Uh, I'm excited to be here with you all. What has been your experience with religious trauma? Like, is this something that has been on your radar for a while now?
1: Yeah, um, it has I actually um, just kind of getting more learning around the term for the past couple of years. But um, when I think back to my own experience, it's been more personal than professional Um, so personal for me, you know, grew up like most of us, Christian, you know, schooling and, you know, background, my my peoples are from, you know, Panama. So Caribbean parents, (laughs) baby boomer parents, like absolutely not. Um, and for me, um, personally, how it impacted me is just, if I can think of a moment, you know, a defining moment is around school. So went to Christian school and, you know, that's when everyone's kind of figuring out you know sexuality and what they like and I found myself that you know I, I liked girls and I was like you know on the basketball team like you like girls I and mean, yeah, you like you like girls too it was like I, me too and um you know I can remember this one time you know just kind of chit-chatting on the phone with my girlfriend and her mom overheard and next thing you know she shows up the following day uh like with a recording sends it to the to the dean oh the no dean, they, yeah dean pulls pulls me out of class takes me down to the office and just asks me hey are you gay and i'm like 14 years old (laughs) like what like no 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 i'm not gay i have a boyfriend um i share that because that was a defining moment like for me like i just had to kind of keep that in the closet yeah and from then on in school was just constantly every week for chapel going up to the altar and oh God, you know, please, I'm sorry, repenting, that constant, you know, repenting all the time, you know, asking for your goodness. That's for me was really how religious trauma played into my personal life, Mm. even up into my adult years. I I found later that that was a defining moment for me. Um, Professionally, you know, I I work with um, pride ERGs and in one particular scenario, we had a situation where, you know, an employee did not want to support, mm. um, you know, the the resource group because of what pride stands for. And they have different religious beliefs. When people just trying to <laughs> sign up and, and get people to come join, they would say, hey, you know, what you're doing is not right. Or they would try to deter people from, you know, coming to the group and signing up. So that's something that I've had to, um, you know, we've had to just kind of just get an understanding of and how do we bridge that gap? So not directly someone saying something to me per se, but the group that I'm affiliated with and supporting,
0: um, makes it, makes it challenging. Wow. So you mentioned going to a Christian school, um, what, uh, faith was your family?
1: Yeah, so um, as I mentioned, my um, parents are from Panama, so they most most are Latinos or Latinas. Hold the um, Catholic religion. So um, I grew up Catholic till we moved down south, and down south was more predominantly um, Christian. Um, And then you know (laughs) it was was a fun. It's kind of a funny story. It was like it was like 13, and my um, cousin at the time and said, "Hey, you're in a Christian school now. You got to get baptized." You got to accept Jesus. You got to get baptized. And I was like, well, how do I get baptized? She just took me into the bathroom and she's like, here, let me sprinkle the water on you. And now (laughs) now you're, now you're saved. Why not? I'm saved now because you do. So we always joke about it.
0: You know, in our adult years, it's like, yeah, you remember that one time? Remember that time you baptized me in the sink?
1: Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, so that's, that's how I grew up.
0: So it sounds like your your sexuality and that part of your identity it it, it seemed to clash with religion for you. Mm-hmm. Were there other ways that you look back on just how religion was presented to you and think, man, that was that was messed up or that was a little unhealthy?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a big thing. Like when you get into religious tra- trauma, and that's why I appreciate the term for us to kind of give language to it. Because then you go back and you're like, "Whoa, wait a minute! It's not only for us. It yes, heavily impacts us as LGBTQ. But then you get into like purity culture, and you get into these different pieces, and you're like, "No, a person doesn't have to wait till they get married, or you know, women shouldn't be treated like this. Or yeah, you know, I think one of the biggest pieces um, is kind of understanding scripture. So for our community, understanding and unpacking the clobber passages, and even like the story about you know Sodom and Gomorrah, that was a big thing because it's like okay, no, they made it sound like okay, this is homosexual, homosexuality is an abomination, and that's what the city was about. But the city was not about that. The city was about you know being inhospitable. These folks were actually getting gang rigged, You know that that that's not the issue here. Um, and, you know, when I'm even teaching to my clients is that happened because those folks forgot the love within themselves. And we still see that be- the behavior still today, but it's all about how the messengers have been sending the message and saying, oh, this is about this. And it's not, it's misinterpreted. And that affects a lot of people. And the story has been for over 2000 years. So, um, you know, things like that, <laughs> and, and just kind of looking at, because we hold, in the Western side, more of the, more of the Bible, but starting to look at it and like, oh my goodness, this book is full of men. Mm. Where are the women at? You know, even thinking about God is like, is God I have identified as a cisgender woman, but the female or the feminine qualities, it resides in both male and female, but even the feminine qualities, like we don't talk about that. Like we don't talk about the the gentleness is like it's all about male <laughs> in the Bible. It's like where's the women at? We were just pretty much shunned. Go, you know, not speak type thing. So um, when you look at it and you're like, no, this was mankind's or humankind's interpretation Hmm. of who God or the spiritual entity or being is. And it it set me definitely on on a course of truth to become a seeker and a finder.
0: Yeah. Okay. So how do you think that that particular message impacted you? Yeah,
1: yeah. So I think it's just kind of going to Christian school, you're memorizing verses and all these things, but you're pretty much petrified, you know, because it's, it, it has kind of like a scary tone to it. You know, you either have all the inspirational verses, but then you also have that, uh, you know, fear-based verses. And I just had people that were supposed to be supportive it was like, you know, no sin is greater than any other. So I had lived by that for a very, very long time. And even though visibly I'm gay, I was still having that internal war within myself. Yeah. And the blessing was through a breakup. I think like, you know, like when you get shit like that going on, that can really make you face the truth of who you are. And I was with someone that wasn't out and just was like, you know, look, I don't think I could come out to my family. So I don't know what to really do. I don't want to keep you holding here. And it hurt. Mm but it pushed me to a place to do work. And I really believe like in relationships or when we're dealing with anyone, there's there's a mirroring effect. Someone is mirroring something within us that we need to heal or incorporate, integrate, whatever that looks like for us. She wasn't out, but it was really me that wasn't owning my sexuality and my spirituality internally. So um, when I started to look at the Bible and all these different things, I really look at me being a lesbian. It not only took me out of the religious construct of Christianity, there's no shade to Christianity, but for me, my own path was to be more expansive. So it just kind of opened me up to look at things as Buddhism, Taoism, African spirituality, all these different pieces, and really be grateful for each culture. And it was just like, it helped me understand spirituality in the More broader and a more expansive sense. Hmm. So I think that's how it just kind of evolved in what I would call like spiritual awakening.
0: Yeah, yeah, it definitely sounded like an evolution of your spirituality, kind of taking it from something very lifeless into something that you actually could live into.
1: Yeah, and it just kind of it is more freeing for me. You know, we're taught, oh, you, you know, God still loves you as a queer person, but you're gonna have to have a bigger conversation with the big man upstairs with the white beard. Yeah. Like what the hell? <laughs> like, this is like, like, God is not a white man with a beard. And I'm not gonna wait till the afterlife to have this conversation. In this life, you live with a lot of guilt, not being who we are because, you know, we just think that we're gonna have to face some repercussions and that's religious trauma, that fear prevents you to live your life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So currently, would you say that you identify as a Christian or, or do you call it something different?
1: Yeah. I no longer identify as a Christian. So, you know, for the terms that most people use spiritual, but not religious. Mm -hmm. um, I just say, you know, I'm spiritual. I'm, I'm spiritually inclusive. So there's certain practices like, you know, Buddhism that I adopt, you know, African spirituality, you know, playing homage to my ancestors. I'm just pretty much inclusive. And that feels right for me. Mm -hmm. I understand that there's not one path. And I think certain religions can get into this whole, there's one path and you must choose this one path. So I just love the fact that I went in for one thing, like trying to solve me being queer, but I came out with a whole nother thing. I could look at a muslim and say, "Yo, we are one of the same." You know, it just it just made me drop all judgment regardless of race, color, creed. My queerness just helped pull the veil on a lot of things. You know, it just kind of broke everything down for me and was like, "Okay, cool. This is what life is really about." And I credit that to being queer.
0: Yeah. Well, in some ways when we don't fit into the expected categories, That kind of forces us to outgrow that way of thinking. Do you still take part in any kind of um, corporate worship or service or church of any kind? Yes and no. So
1: I I attend virtually a um, transdenominational church. It's called Agape. It's out in uh, based in California. So it's like any any faith walk could come to to that church. Those virtual church. Mm -hmm. I think the gift of the pandemic is like church is not a building. So, you know, wasn't going to any buildings, of course, but before the pandemic, you mentioned earlier that outgrowing stuff. Yeah. (laughs) I just started to feel uncomfortable. Like for, I used to love church. Like every Sunday I'll spend a couple hours, I was part of the praise team and in the front row at those rock churches, raising my hands, but then something started to feel weird and I was like, yo, there's not, I'm serving, I'm giving up my time, I'm coming to Bible study, you have these e-groups, but I don't see people that look like me, I don't hear people with my experiences, like, I don't see queer folks, like, (laughs) there's no, there's groups for singles, there's groups for veterans, there's group for all these different folks, but there's not a group for LGBTQ that can worship God, and I just started to feel disconnected, so that was like, a year before the pandemic, I just knew something. My soul wanted something more. I just didn't know what that more is. So what my spirituality looks like nowadays is honestly, sometimes being in nature. Mm-hmm. Like I love, like I'll go do the weird things, put my feet in the ground, hug a tree. And I just feel like this is dope. Yeah. Like I'll journal, I'll meditate, you know, it's, it's just different. So I find my solitude in that and just kind of just being whatever.
0: Yeah. I love that. And I totally can relate to that feeling of being in nature and having that spiritual experience. It's definitely the most connected to the universe that I I feel. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, whoa, whatever it is out there, made the sky, you could look at a cloud. That's to me what God, source, universe, whatever name we want to give it, that thing, that's what it is.
0: I love the hope and positivity that you seem to have towards spirituality um, because, you know, a a common symptom or sign, I guess, of religious trauma is sort of a skepticism and a jadedness when it comes to religion, but even also spirituality. Is that something that you've ever struggled with? Yeah.
1: You have this limbo space where you are outgrowing a lot of these different concepts. And well, you start to say, well, who is God? Am I being lied to? It just kind of starts to crumble
0: Mm -hmm.
1: your world, that part of that grief, that deconstructing process. So it's challenging, you know, until you get to a space like you start to own it. And I think that's the thing with religious trauma is that when you've come to a space of healing and stability with it, you regain your autonomy because what we've been taught is that you have no autonomy. You are to think what the messenger is telling you. And we don't know how to make decisions. And then on top of that, you're queer. You don't know how to live life for yourself. And you're externalizing your control to this God in heaven. And you're not taking
0: responsibility. Yes. It shows up in all different ways. Yeah. So how do you think your experience of religion and religious trauma is uniquely impacted by being a person of color? Yeah,
1: yeah. I feel that it is different. There's some shared commonalities as we are, once again, externalizing our control and and our autonomy to an external God that we're not taught that's within us. But I think it cripples our community specifically, When, you know, when the first set of slaves have came over where they've colonized with Christianity, basically we were ripped of our own spirituality and given this narrative, we're taking you from your land, we're taking you from your culture, we're taking your name and here's the the religion that you're going to have. And what we find is that it hasn't in some ways been a religion that supports us in the challenges that we face. Racism, you know, the economic disempowerment that we experience in our community. How do I bridge my intersectionalities? How do I hope when I'm being taught that the hope doesn't acknowledge a person like myself? It just makes it that much harder for a person of color, knowing that you have to pay a corporate game. You're out in the world paying a, you know, capitalized game. All this type of stuff is going on. And it's like, where do you get that peace of mind and that support? So it makes it challenging.
0: Well, and you definitely are balancing several intersectionalities. You know, you're a woman, you're a person of color, you're, you're queer. These things make it hard to fit somewhere.
1: Yeah. And and the other part of that too, as a reminder, is that when we see different cultures, we see cultures that have a reflection of spirituality that is reflective of who they are, you know? Yeah. For those of us that are black here in the Western space, we are provided a white Jesus with blue eyes, blonde hair. We made the connection, and you know, progressively, people say, "Oh, God doesn't have a color," and some people say, "Oh, we're not gonna fight over what he looks like." But I think sometimes, for us as a, as a community, you know, it's it's important for me to pay homage to the Harriet Tubmans, to the people that went before me. Those are the the saviors that help pave the way for us, helping us reclaim our spirituality because especially in our community now we get a narrative in the media about black people and it's not it's not a good narrative but to know from ancient civilization that we were kings and queens and reclaim that power that empowers people and that empowers us as people of color you know the Q-pop community that have their own native and indigenous cultures great spirit we need to honor that and those things were removed from our cultures and, and you want to know why people are sometimes broken and having a hard time connecting to certain religions because it's not their native tone.
0: Yeah. Well, and I love that word that you used earlier, which was uh, colonized, because unfortunately, it seems like Christianity has co-opted so many traditions and whitewashed it and turned it into something that I don't even think it was ever intended to be.
1: No, Christianity wasn't formed to like years after Jesus was dead and gone. He probably would have been like, what is going on? What are y'all making the ruckus about? Like the dude just came here to help us know the love is within us. He was trying to point people to the love within themselves, just like Buddha, just like all these other different masters and teachers. They had their own message, but we take these things and we worship. (laughs) And I don't think that was his intention. I don't think if he had a choice, he was like, "That, that wasn't what I was trying to do here.
0: Tell me a little bit about your coaching. What what types of clients do you see and does religious trauma come into that?
1: Yes. So the coaching that I do for the queer community is solely focused on um, religious trauma. The clients are folks that have been where we are and say that I'm broken. I want a relationship with God, but I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what my spirituality looks like. I'm scared of going to hell and they feel unsafe. So we go through a 12-week program where I educate them on religious trauma and just kind of granting them language in the path that we're going to take to healing. So helping them cultivate that positive inner voice, helping them decipher, is this the voice of God? Or is this the voice of my inner critic, ego, whatever you want to call that. But helping them understand that, reclaiming their autonomy. So it's really changing the belief system Deconstructing the passages, those main verses in sacred texts that hold people captive. Because what we've been taught as queer folks is you're dirty and nasty. Don't do that. You know, God didn't design you that way. It's challenging. So it's really building your self-confidence and emotional intelligence. When you're triggered, how do you respond to that? So we go through an array of different topics that help someone learn to have a healthy, loving relationship with themselves. So they leave the program at least better off than when they started. And I tell them all the time, you've been dealing with this for years, so it's not going to be overnight. So it's practice. It's it's definitely practice.
0: Yeah, that sounds awesome, man. And I wish that there had been something like that available for me about 10 years ago, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Because you and I, and, and a lot of folks are just, you know, trying to figure out how do I like myself and how do I fit into this world without being angry all the time or you know just ashamed all the time. Yeah.
1: And that was one of the big things like people need to know that when you tell a person hate the sin but love the sinner, they're an abomination, God didn't design them that way, how that eradicates someone's self-esteem, self-worth, confidence. I've had emotional and mental breakdowns and you know I I'm, I'm a speaker. I'm like, "Hey, you can do it." But go back to my hotel room and have a mental and emotional breakdown, because I have this inner war that God does not accept me. So I wanted to create a space where people can reclaim who they are and take one day at a time, take one moment at a time, and that can sometimes give us that glimpse of hope.
0: Yeah, but I love that there are people like you out there. as resources. it, it just makes me so happy and hopeful.
1: Yes, yes. And, and we're doing this work together. I was so happy when I found you too.
0: Yeah. Because
1: it's, it's this whole thing about religious trauma. I think we're just moving into another generation. And there's so many of us, so many of us that go through this. And especially with the queer community, sometimes we are less prone to having a relationship with our spirituality because the world religions that have been misinterpreted,
0: it's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about patriarchy for a second.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's talk about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, my I'm pretty sure my listeners are maybe they can play a drinking game like do a shot every time Anna says patriarchy. <laughs> but, you know, we've talked a lot about the LGBTQ population and and how they are marginalized by some teachings of religion, but do you think that patriarchy has a role in that?
1: Oh, yeah. Many of the world religions and these sacred texts, the story, the narrative that has been shared and told is man, 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 man. We've created these gods that are so male-centric, and the power has been in the hands of men. And then on top of that, Europeans. So, you know, like, for instance, the Florida don't say gay bill. And this could be Kay's interpretation. This is my opinion here. The laws that we have, that bill is influenced by religion mm-hmm. because religion informs the way that we feel, the way that we ground our community. It seeps into our laws. So, yeah, definitely the patriarchy has a big part to play. We are seeing a dramatic shift. It's like the Me Too movement, the feminist movement, like no more. We are equals here. We are equals and we're making leaps and bounds and changes like you know stepping into power and that's where we're going to make the real change we cannot have the world can no longer be white and male it's, it's going to die out we have to have a world and government that looks like everyone on this earth
0: yeah something that i've been learning a lot about lately is the heteronormativity that's intrinsic in the patriarchy too Because any hierarchy only works if there's somebody at the top and there's somebody at the bottom, right? And so heteronormativity basically says there has to be a woman in the relationship because that's the inferior person. That's the person that has to submit and so I think it makes a lot of sense why homosexuality has been so taboo in patriarchal systems, because it's like, wait, 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 you're breaking the rules. You know, you're you're not playing by the rules that we're all supposed to be playing by, where it's it's man, yeah, in charge and woman submitting.
1: Yeah, you still see that in some cultures. How we've been just doing life. The woman's going to be the homemaker, and then the man is going to do this. And even brings me back to the point. That's why having education and learning about these scriptures are so important because not understanding that the Bible, when it talks about man shouldn't lie with another man, it was more of this person was passive or they took on qualities like a woman, you know, less than you are portrayed as a woman and we view women as less. And the patriarchy set up laws and institutions and criminalized people that we still see today. Once again, religion informs our laws
0: Yeah, I like what you said about the, you know, don't say gay bill and and just how religion is so pivotal to a lot of those legislations that we're seeing, just because it seems like we're making laws based on a understanding of right and wrong that is clearly religious and is so not what America is supposed to be about. Yeah, this frustrates me. So we talked a little bit about deconstruction earlier, and you said that that's something that you often will talk about with your clients as well. When, when someone says, Hey, I want help with deconstruction, like what steps do you take?
1: Yeah. So the, the help with the deconstruction is a rewarding, but challenging process because bottom line, you are crumbling, breaking down kind of plain demolition mode here, your beliefs, Uh, what was the historical context, what was intended in these verses, because understanding that these are written by different authors, different times, there's a cultural context, it's from a Jewish lineage. That's where we spend the bulk of our time. And then also too, is just that whole sin and hell piece. That ego element of us is afraid of hell, is afraid of sin because we've been told this narrative. That's an intention to hold us in fear, captive control. But because it's been embedded in our subconscious, it's hard. It takes time. So allowing them to have grace and practicing self-care to kind of balance some of that work is just really getting an understanding of spirituality in its its whole. That's one of the blessings of me coming from a perspective of being spiritually inclusive. But yeah, so it's, it's it's a challenging process, but just make sure that they have care as they navigate it.
0: Yeah. I know there's, there's often a lot of grief. At least I I see that with a lot of my clients who are deconstructing, you know, on the one hand, it's kind of like finding out that Santa Claus isn't real, but, but it's so much bigger than that. You know, it's like the, what you've founded your life on, what you've made your decisions around. And, you know, a lot of times it kind of feels like, well, I need to replace that with something. Uh Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And this, uh, I'll just be honest with you, like maybe like the first year of my coaching, I had a hard time with that because I was like, I was scared to really approach Christian clients or people that were in religious faith Cause I'm like, I don't have anything to bring them to, <laughs> like, what do I bring them to? Um, so I know there's resources that I picked up, you know, along the way books and things of that nature, but I felt like my goal, I didn't want to take them from one book to another book. I didn't want to take them from one religion And that's sometimes where where people could kind of look at spirituality or the woo-woo, like, oh, no, new agey type thing. Like, you're taking me from one thing to the other thing. So what I really try to point them back to is same kind of concept as Jesus, like the kingdom of God is within yourself. So really practicing a lot of mindfulness, a lot of sitting with yourself, a lot of inquiry, asking questions. Because that's one part with religious trauma, it takes the critical thinking away. You're not thinking for yourself, but asking their permission is hey, how can we look at this differently? How can we add critical thinking to this? So now they're able to craft what they want their spirituality look like. They created it. Yeah, at the, at the beginning was hard for me because I was still deconstructing myself and still learning. That's why I had to listen to my own intuition. It's like, point them within and let that universe guide them to whatever spiritual practice or whatever they deem as spirituality that feels good for them. So I'm always pointing my clients within and they like, you know what, I heard something in a song or I read something in a book and it affirmed who I am. I'm, I'm navigating this on my own.
0: Yeah. I, I love that method of, of encouraging people to seek out what they resonate with and And kind of rely on their instincts, because I think that's one of the things that we're robbed of when religious trauma happens is you you don't trust yourself. you don't even know yourself. No. And it's so great to be able to say, "Hey, guess what? you you actually can trust you and you can listen to how you're feeling and you can listen to what your soul is drawn to. That means something. There's a reason that's there. Yeah, yeah, And that's sustainable.
1: It's not giving them another religion where they're going to have to question and deconstruct later. It's something unique that they can say, I've created this and it's beautiful and I love it. And they're committed to whatever that looks like for them.
0: Yeah. Well, and hopefully they can start over with an attitude of sort of holding their new beliefs Mm -hmm. loosely. Every year I go back and try to rethink my assumptions about life, you know, and, and not ever think, aha, I've figured it out. You know, now I've got the right philosophy. Now I think in the right way. Cause as soon as I do that, then I'm just back to that dogmatic way of thinking.
1: Yeah. And, and that's the, the hope that they get to a space of integration and it's okay. You know, that's back again to the deconstructing and the grieving part that, some very well say, okay, I, could, I feel in a safe space to integrate it. I want to listen to gospel music again, or I feel comfortable to read the Bible and, or whatever sacred text and draw inspiration from it. They will start, if they desire to, to reintegrate some of these elements.
0: What do you see most often with your clients? Do you, would you say that a lot of them do end up kind of going back to a religious practice of some sort or... Typically, does it just evolve into something new like it did for you?
1: Yeah, so I've seen it different ways is either evolved into like a mashup of different things for them. And then they like when they leave, they're like, they're in exploring They they, they feel the freedom to explore in that space. Some may say, Hey, I actually, you know, heard a sermon the other day, and they said something, but it didn't trigger me, because I now know the truth. Or. I miss gospel music. Mm -hmm. And I actually listened to a song and it now I feel the true intent of what that song is. So there's some people that just kind of reintegrate it again. And then some people just like, I'm going on a journey, I'm free, let me go explore. So it looks different. And it just yeah, it's just beautiful to see them explore whatever feels good for them.
0: Yeah. Well, so if you were speaking to somebody who is just at the beginning of their journey of recovery from religious trauma, and you were going to give them one piece of advice, what would that be?
1: This kind of goes back to what I feel my divine message was in, in starting to help the community is that you're queer on purpose. You were created you're on purpose for a purpose so I find that knowing that there's purpose in your identity and whatever god source whatever you call that loves you And, and they love you as you are and you're created in the fabric of that and you have some great things in this world to do put your energy towards that to me that would empower someone and inspire someone that hey I'm actually created this way yeah and let me go do some great
0: things with it so um, that would be my
1: encouragement to folks.
0: I love that. That's that's great. Yeah, that purpose is so important. So something I'm doing with, with all of my guests is since we, you know, it's a pretty heavy topic, religious trauma, I try to get some levity in there. <laughs> so do you have any stories from church culture or from just spirituality in general, any funny or, you know, ironic stories that you think our listeners would find interesting? I probably could say, maybe this is hindsight, looking back on, you know,
1: sometimes when you get on the other side, you could laugh. But I go back to, you know, um, high school, being my Christian high school, and I was on a basketball team, and like it was a couple of us that were, you know, queer, you know, every week, we're like, all right, we're going to stop doing this queer stuff. God is not happy with it. So we'll go to the altar, like, God, forgive us, (laughs) forgive us. Mm -hmm. Then the next week we'll come back and say, God, (laughs) forgive us, forgive us. And I remember one time I was like, you know what? I'm going to just take the month off. I'm going to go back up to the altar next month. Cause I don't think (laughs) like Mm -hmm. Valentine's day is coming up. So like I made a deal. I was like, Hey, you just can just hold, you know, I, you know, my heart, I'll be up there. Like, in March.
0: Uh-huh. Like you started a tab with God. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so we went from this weekly tab thing, we're just like, okay, we're just gonna take we know it's Valentine's Day, God. You understand this. We'll be back March though. <laughs> so when I look back on it and I talk to like my like my childhood best friend, like, you know we used to go to the altar every week and yeah. So that's what I would say. Like, but looking back on it, you're like, now you just kinda you don't have to do that. You don't, you don't have to do that, folks. <laughs>
0: Yes. Isn't that so freeing to know that, that we don't have to keep <laughs> feeling ashamed.
1: Yes. Yes. And you don't have to cut deals with God.
0: Yeah. yeah, You don't have to negotiate how often you need to confess your sins.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, you don't have to do that. Yeah. Good times. Good times.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. You are an inspiration to me.
1: Anytime, anytime. And I just, once again, just so glad to share this space with you. Have another human being that, cares about religious trauma that we want to help our folks heal
0: and absolutely
1: love themselves and be who they are supposed to be
0: yeah well and heal ourselves along the way too yes yes bye well that's all she wrote for this episode if you have any questions lean not on your own understanding email me and anna at EmpathyParadigm.com. bye